Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. For today's adventure, I want to continue on our series on what is important in the Bible versus what is more important. Are we straining at gnats or swallowing camels? If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I encourage you to do so. We looked at Matthew 23, and in particular, as we went through that chapter, this verse where we see Jesus talking about this very thing, about important versus more important. He tells the leaders of the day that while they gave a tenth of their spices, mint, dill, cumin, what they have neglected were the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said you should have practiced the latter without forgetting the former. You blind guides, you strain at gnats but swallow camels, which is where we get this concept that Jesus is talking about. There are things that are more important. While other things are important, there are other things that are more important. And this is, I think, an interesting thing for us to consider when we get into so many different kind of conversations and it's so easy. Uh, to talk about things that, while they may seem important to us, there could be things more important uh, to discuss. If you didn't listen to uh, last week's podcast, I encourage you to do so to get kind of caught up. And um, it's only about about 15 or 20 minutes long, and uh, you can uh, listen to this podcast. So let's focus back on this topic, important versus more important. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a message from a national leader, and the talk was on, this says, we've all heard of EQ, emotional intelligence, but what about CQ, cultural intelligence? And the whole message revolved around the importance for us as believers to have more cultural intelligence. And I sat there and thought about it, listened to the, it was a short message, 15 or 20 minutes long. And I asked myself, is this important? Or what could be more important? I ask myself, wow, what's, what's missing maybe in this conversation? Is emotional intelligence important? Yeah. Cultural intelligence? Yeah. It's important. But what would be more important? When we read through the Word, there are so many examples where Jesus understood the culture. He had emotional uh, intelligence. He talked to a woman at the well. He understood these kinds of things. He was really great with people. He understood the culture and what, what was going on in the world that he lived. But his idea to make an impact in the world was not to help people really refine their emotional intelligence or to be more culturally savvy. Actually, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we read through the Word, Jesus' whole message is about the spiritual life. What's our SQ? What's our spiritual quotient? Do we understand that everything that happens in the world, the foundation, if the foundation is not spiritual, if we're not born again, if we're not living by the power of the Spirit, if we're not founded on the Word of God, then yes, absolutely. We're going to see culture, you know, continue to change. So our big challenge is, and how do we be more culturally relevant? The real thing is, is how do we be more spiritually powerful? to begin to change the world that we live in and see people give their hearts to Christ and to realize that his life, his ways are higher than what we have uh, established as here's what's culturally significant. You know, our lives are impacted by whatever spirit we're listening to. And listen, there's make no mistake about it. There's really only two choices, the powers of darkness 
or the power of God. And we know that Jesus himself beat the enemy, broke him, defeated him on the cross, gave us a new life. And Jesus is wanting us to be born again, to have our spirit made alive, to realize that everything in this world, everything in this world is first is impacted by our spiritual life. And out of a spiritual life, we were born again. Yes, culture will change. Sure, emotional quotient will change as well. But the foundation is our spiritual life. When Jesus proclaimed why he was here, in Luke chapter 4, you know, you can, you can read it. When he proclaimed, he said, I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do these things. The people became furious. And they got up and they drove him out of town. And they took him to a hill to throw him off. But he eluded them. Well, that's an interesting reaction, isn't it? You know, we might have those kind of reactions today if we really stood up and stood up in a way, not in a militant fashion, not in an angry fashion, but we begin to declare that most, mo what is most important in the world that we live in is not how are we developing culturally, not what is our emotional quotient, but where are we in relates to the Spirit of God living in and through us, and that the whole reason that we're here is to put, continue what Jesus started in pushing back the powers of darkness, beating that down by the Spirit of God. Greater is He that's in us than He that is in the world. And this is our calling. And if we get sidetracked into all these cultural conversations, get sidetracked into all these kind of topics that go on in the world today. Man, Jesus stood against those things. He said, here's what's really most important in the way that he addressed them. So I want to give you an example that we can look to out of, uh, out of Acts chapter 17. Now, again, uh, I'm a Bible guy. So instead of just pulling things off the cuff, I would just want to read through uh, a lot of uh, Acts chapter 17. So go ahead, grab your Bible, and when you're, when you're, when you're back, uh, join me here. Okay, great. Here you are back. I'm going to read this slowly and just focus on things. I want you to think about the context, you know, of what's going on. Paul is in Athens and, uh, and, and listen to some of what he's facing. Listen to the conversation. Listen to what's going on and see if any of this parallels even where we are right now in 2023. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. The city was full of idols. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. I just got to, I, I, I just have to pause here. What was he preaching? He was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and they brought him to a meeting of Arapagus where they said to him, may we know. What this new teaching is that you're presenting, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. This is awesome, isn't it? 
Then all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Does this sound uh, current? Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. Interesting, notice his approach here. He's not really putting them down. as much. Oh, I, I see you're religious. I see this. For as I walked around, I looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. <laughs> now, just watch what he does here. This is extraordinary. Where he goes... He's not going back to cultural relevance, and I appreciate all that you're doing, and all of this and that. Yet he's affirmed that they, they that they have their their things, they have their ideas, they have the things they're following. But now, because of the conversation, the way he's approached this, he's able to really proclaim. He's got. I'm going to proclaim to you. Here's here's what it's about. Here's what's going to be most important. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by humans' hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times and histories and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, he grabs a hold of this one truth. We should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, Jesus of Christ, of course. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. And some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. And among them was Dionysus and, and, and a member of Areopagus and also a woman named Demarius and a number of others. Wow, there is so much in this chapter. When I think about what's going on in the world that we live in and all the, 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 uh, the debating and the babbling and the remarks and the foreign gods and the things that are being propagated, and Paul walks around and he looks at these things. If Paul was walking around today and looking at these things and he's, he's observing what's going on, you know, and, and, and the way that he addresses these, these folks and, 
and the, the interest that he actually cultivates and reminds them that, oh, I walked around and I saw some of your objects and I, I noticed this unknown God and what they were ignorant of. And then he launches in to not more, to not being culturally relevant, to not, you know, making sure that they're not offended, to making sure that, you know, that I understand how you feel, those kind of things. Um, I mean, if you read verses 24 to, uh, you know, to down verse 31, what a tremendous presentation of summing up the, the God of the universe creating the heavens and the earth, who his son Jesus Christ is, and what this thing is really all about. I want you to notice that G, that Paul did not get distracted on what they thought was important to them or to get sucked into a cultural debate and, and reasoning and debating around all these kinds of ideas and being philosophical and using cool little uh, conversations. He went straight to the heart of the matter. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. He's not served by human hands. If he needed anything, rather he himself gives everyone life and breath. And on and on it goes. Listen, we all know that the, the, that the world is headed towards a, a, a second coming of Jesus Christ. The only thing that really matters for all of us the most important thing is that people come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the power of God, understanding that he made them by his hands. He spoke us into being. He, we came out of Adam and Eve from generation to generation. That's what he says in verse 26. By one man, he made all the nations. He's appointed our times and histories and our boundaries. So he doesn't get into who, you know, what's fair, what's not fair, where we are, where we should all live. He doesn't go there. He just focuses on God. And he, and he did it so that, that we, would, we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him. And, and, I, and I love this. He doesn't say, I mean, he, he just so beautifully says, you know, that, that, he would, that we would seek him and perhaps reach out. You know, perhaps find him. You know, it's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. If you are a Christian, God's power, his love, his spirit resides in you. And these are the things that he wants you to proclaim, not with judgment, not with a pointed finger, but with love and compassion and say, oh, I see what you're involved in, but have you considered this? And instead of getting sucked down a rabbit trail where we're, where we're chasing the enemy around, yeah, he was distressed by what he saw. But doesn't, I, doesn't it sound like social media today is overflowing we are being governed now by so many ideas and concepts and philosophies and words are being redefined and ideas are, are being, I mean, it's like there, there's no boundaries at all. And, you know, we have to be careful that we do not get drawn into these conversations, but we find a way to pause and then have you considered this this is the most important message that we can declare. And there, there's no judgment in my word. There's judgment in his word in the sense that you are either for him or against him. You're either with him or you're not. 
And we need to, with the love of Christ and the compassion of God, reach out to those around us and use Acts 17 as a great example. Paul didn't march into town with a picket sign and, and begin to knock people over and pointing a finger and saying, you're all going straight to hell and you're all a bunch of evil people and you're all possessed. Look at the wisdom that Paul had. Look at the way he interacted with the conversation. Look at the way he addressed them, what he said in the way that he said it. It was brilliant. And you know what? At the outcome was some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. That's true today. Some are going to believe. Some are not. And there are other people that said, you know, we want to hear more about this subject. If we share in such a fashion that is compelling and engaging. And here's, the, here's I, I think, one of the dangers that we have as Christians we feel like this is such an old message that everyone has heard it over and over again that we have to find something more interesting in the Bible or some more interesting thing to talk about other than this because we just assume, well, everybody's kind of heard this. Yeah, everybody knows this. Listen, this is the centrality of the gospel right here. From verse 24 all the way to verse 34, those 10 verses, this is, this is the focus. And Paul went forward from the time that he began his ministry. This was his message. And we look through the rest of the, uh, we'll look through some other examples where Paul continues to instruct the church that gets off track and following, getting, you know, all, all little side issues that while they may be important, they're not most important. What's important is, what's most important is that people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we're not chasing around the little gnats and the little things, you know, that are, that are distracting to people and giving more attention to that. If we go back to the, uh, the parable of the, of the sower, you know, they sold in four, they, they sowed seeds in four types of soils. And there were some, there were some, uh, examples in there where the birds came and, and began to get, get, eat the seeds. But you know what? We got to be careful not to chase the bird that came to eat the seed. You know, we start chasing birds and we're going all over the place trying to, you know, take care of this issue and that issue. What we got to do is continue to sow good seed, continue to preach the gospel. You know, I'm encouraging this week, review Acts 17, read it slowly, put yourself, use these verses in the, and put it in the context of what's today, uh, July 29, uh, 2023, and see how much actually correlates. And then ask God to help you find a way to, to look at verses 24 through 34. And how do I make this personal? How do I communicate this in a way that is compelling and encouraging to those around me? This is the message that God has called us to. Listen, we're going to look at other examples in weeks to come. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week. God bless. Yes.